Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. I'm Ann Baldwin, and it's so great to have you all along on this Sunday morning. And uh, hopefully you're staying cool and enjoying what's left of this uh, not so great summer, but anyway, we're not talking about weather today. But what we are talking about uh, on this morning's program is really a crisis that we're facing. And as we all well know, uh, school is just right around the corner. School's going to be starting in person in most districts, but there's a huge problem with that. And the problem is, uh, I don't know that we're going to have enough school bus drivers here in Connecticut, not only to get kids to and from school, but let's think about the other ways that we utilize buses, and that's field trips, that's athletic events, and uh, not to scare anybody, but it really is a crisis situation. And to back that up and to speak about that, we've got John Hipsher here. He's the um, Chief Operating Officer of M&J Transportation, and also um, is the Vice President of the Board for Costa. Now, Costa is the Connecticut School Transportation Association, and many, many bus companies across the state belong to Costa. So, John, you're here to kind of back up my opening statement, I guess. Um, we've got a real situation here, and um, it's going to be interesting to get your perspective on what you think is going to happen. Uh, we sure do have a crisis. Good morning, Ann. Thank you for having me on. Um, all of us in this industry are presently uh, you know, contacting our, our drivers, um, seeing who's coming back, and um, you know, setting up the upcoming school year to see how many open school bus runs we may have in all of our districts. Uh, this crisis has been going on for a number of years. It's, it's really just kind of blossomed in the last uh, uh, year and a half or so. And um, we're all trying to find drivers out there and promote this industry and, and hope that people want to join. So, you know, I've been pretty involved in the situation, John. And give us a, an idea how many bus drivers are needed. I know every dif district is different, but let's put it in perspective. If one company needs 100 drivers, that means that other companies might only need 10, but they're a smaller district. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be safe to say that um, in the state we would need collectively probably well over 1,000 drivers, um, if not more. Um, as you touched on, it, it's not just covering the morning and afternoon um, school bus runs for, for the students. It's also everything else that the, the districts expect out of their bus company, and that's uh, covering field trips, that's covering um, athletics. We had a very good athletic year last year, all of us. Um, specifically, the spring was extremely strong. Uh, we are expecting the fall to, to be um, almost back to normal. That's what we're all hoping, and, and that puts a lot of, a lot of stress on, on all of our locations, um, everybody that's doing this business, because um, if you don't have enough drivers to cover the bus runs, um, you're, you're also in, in, in trouble trying to make sure you're covering all the athletics to get these kids where they're supposed to go. So, John, let's talk a little bit about who makes the perfect candidate for a driver. I know when I, when I rode the bus, um, a lot of the folks that were on there driving the buses, first of all, they became such dear friends and um, somebody that you looked forward to seeing every day. Some were stay-at-home moms who also could bring their kids on the bus. But who are some of the folks that you're looking to entice to maybe get into this flexible position? Uh, 
great question. So uh, absolutely, uh, stay-at-home parents, moms and dads, um, ideal candidates, uh, retirees as well. So folks that have been uh, fortunate enough and able to uh, perhaps retire early that are looking for uh, you know, maybe a lighter work schedule um, but still get a good amount of hours and earn some income, uh, those are ideal candidates. And I will tell you, we get excited when we have um, uh, young folks uh, that are, you know, just kind of entering the, uh, the workforce that are uh, looking, you know, for a career. Uh, there is a career in this business. If you uh, are interested in being a school bus driver, um, you can get plenty of hours doing uh, the transportation morning and afternoon and uh, covering um, athletic and field trips. But many of us also uh, bring drivers in and um, to our office positions and uh, they're able to, to fill other roles to get additional hours and, and help the company. So there can absolutely be a career for uh, young individuals that are looking for an opportunity like that. Absolutely. And, you know, not to mention the training that they also receive um, when they apply for these positions as well. So talk a little bit about that because they go, go through a pretty extensive um, training, background check, and then we'll talk about how much time that takes. Yeah, the, the background check is absolutely thorough um, and the um, and the training is, is equally as thorough. The, the, um, the, the training is, is um, you know, it's, it's specifically important because obviously you're, you're driving a large vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a lot of responsibility with the, uh, the, pressures, the precious cargo that you're carrying every single day. And um, all of us uh, school bus operators have a wonderful training staff that works very closely with, with all of the applicants. And... Um, uh, you know, so it, it, if those are those individuals are a little nervous about uh, getting behind the wheel of a bus um, and and going through the training process, the thing to do is to come on down and, and talk to your local bus company, talk to the trainer that's involved, and learn everything that's about it. It's, it's not as much of a daunting task as, as what some individuals might seem. It's 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 going to be extremely rewarding and a lot of hand holding on us to help them help us get them through. Exactly, John. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with John Hipsher with um, M&J Transportation, uh, also the vice president of the board for the Connecticut School Transportation Association. And this is a good time, too. You talk about flexibility. If you want to be on the kids' school schedule, if you want to maybe have another part-time job and you want to fill in with this and, and get all the training. But we also need to put out uh, the information that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this really is a crisis, John. And it takes three months or more to onboard a new driver. So how, how is this all going to happen here in Connecticut? Well, so the, um, we have some exciting things that, that we are all trying to do with, with applicants to help them out during that time frame. Um, we do see a varying amount of time from uh, uh, the beginning phases of the training to uh, getting behind the wheel of the bus. Um, it, it can be anywhere uh, between that uh, six to ten week uh, period of time. Uh, what we hope is we're trying to work um, with the folks that are doing the background check to speed up that process of checking the fingerprints and um, uh, the DCF background check, all of that. And while that paperwork is, is being submitted, uh, the applicants are learning the, um, you know, they're, they're doing sort of classroom studying, I, I would call it. Um, and so they can start their, their practicing and, and learning all the regulations that they need to be aware of. Uh, we also try to help those individuals earn some income during that time. And um, many times after they've cleared a background check, we will have them be monitors on bus runs or on special education van runs. 
Uh, that way, during the day, they can earn a little bit of income uh, while they're also working with our, with our trainers on the off hours. Wow, what a great plan. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the pay ranges, uh, re, you know, depending on what area of the state that you're in. But you talk about flexibility, that really being the key. And it, it's a public service, too. Um, you know, I think everybody, most people have fond memories um, of their bus drivers. And you've also got people out there, John, that you're trying to reach as well that might already have their CDL license um, that could just... Maybe you've got a firefighter out there that's on, you know, part-time or on so many days a week and off so many days a week, and they could jump in and drive a bus. What about those folks? Uh, we, we do. That's a, a great point. Uh, we have um, specifically, uh, we have several that are in law enforcement that have the appropriate endorsements to um, uh, be uh, driving a school bus. So when they have off days, um, their schedule permits, uh, we'll take those folks that, you know, can even give us one or two days a week or... Maybe they have a couple of afternoons where uh, they are able to uh, hop on a bus and take a, a team to an athletic trip and, and stay with that team. All of those uh, individuals help fill certain roles and certain gaps that, that we have. Um, it is a, is, is a rarity, I would say, today where uh, you have enough drivers to comfortably cover all of your bus runs, uh, any absences just, that just occur in normal staffing every single day, and have enough to cover your, your athletics. That's an absolute rarity. So we're, we're flexible um, with the applicants and, and what they can give us. And as you noted earlier, one of the greatest rewards that the drivers can get, they can drive their kids to school every single day, they can drive them to these uh, field, event, field trip events and athletics. It, it, it's really a nice way for moms and dads to spend time with their kids as they're growing up. Absolutely. And we want to let people know that there is a special place to go if you're interested in learning more about the positions that are pretty much open statewide uh, for bus drivers. You can go to drivectkids.org. That's drivectkids.org. And you can click on there and, um, you know, look to what town you're looking to apply to or reach out to your local bus company or even reach out to your local school district, because that's the other thing, John. We've got to let school superintendents, we've got to let boards of education know that, you know, everybody really needs to help spread the word. I was just talking um, with the safety director at one of the bus companies around here, and he said that the school district put out a massive email to all parents, and out of that, they got six drivers. So there you go. That's fantastic. Um, the, the amount of uh, communication that is required uh, today uh, because of this crisis with our superintendents and our business managers um, in the district. It's, it's, um, it's very involved. It's very frequent. Um, safety can never be compromised. So there's, there is really an, a high importance for all of us in this business to communicate with the district, you know, really on a daily basis how we're doing. Um, if, if we know we're going to need to, um, you know, combine a couple of runs because we're short-staffed that day, um, you, you don't just do it. You have to let the districts know so they can uh, inform the moms and dads. Most all the districts today are communicating with parents through, um, you know, some kind of a mass uh, email or mass text that goes out, and um, it helps the moms and dads. It's, listen, we know it's a major inconvenience to many that are involved. Um, we're not doing it on purpose, and um, as you said, it's important that uh, they all know the crisis that we're in and, and that we send a message to them that we appreciate their patience as we're all working through it. 
You know, and as I kind of flash back, John, I've got to admit, I can't tell you how many times I called the transportation folks at Windsor Public Schools, you know, because the bus was either late or I didn't think it came on time or whatever. And, you know, I just I want to apologize now for the grief that I caused so many years ago. And, and they really do take a lot of heat. And that's why we thought it was important to get you on this program today on behalf of Costa and all the school bus um, organizations and and let people know that this is a reality. This is really a problem. So I'm going to ask you one of those hypothetical questions, John. What if? What if there aren't enough drivers? Then what? Well, I, I think that um, the way to answer that is, is there's, for all of us, there, there are not going to be. Um, in the immediate future right now, there, there are not going to be. The, the efforts, uh, the website that you're talking about, uh, the advertising efforts that we all make, uh, positively promoting what a wonderful industry this is, you know, hopefully we start to see the dividends from that with a lot of incoming applications in the coming years. But uh, I think it's important that we all just prepare ourselves. It, it is a reality, again, for this upcoming school year. We all will not have enough bus drivers. Um, but it doesn't mean we stop promoting and recruiting and, and training. We're just going to, again, never compromise safety, communicate well with the districts and moms and dads, and, and we'll, we'll have a great, safe year. And we also want to emphasize that regardless of the crisis, no shortcuts will ever be taken when it comes to the folks that drive our kids and drive public school buses, correct? Absolutely not. Um, never do we ever encourage uh, rushing, um, trying to make uh, better time speeding, never. Um, I tell all of my staff, my managers, communicate to drivers at safety meetings, uh, stick to your fundamentals, take your time. We will do the part of communicating to the districts and to the parents um, letting them know if something is running late. Um, there's no need to ever rush in this business. That's where mistakes happen. Right. And I know you're not a bus driver, but you obviously work with bus drivers each and every day. And, and not that long ago, Costa had a press conference that was outlining this very issue months ago. So talk a little bit, if you can, from the perspective of the driver about what we talked about, the convenience and the flexibility, but what else is in it for people to become bus drivers? Well, so if, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, there is very competitive pay in this business, um, attractive pay. Starting pay typically for a licensed school bus driver is going to be in the $18 an hour range. And you're going to find that um, there are going to be some pockets that are going to top out a little higher, but um, it's typically going to be $24, $25 an hour. Uh, the pay is very nice, very competitive. And um, uh, most all of... Um, well, let's just say every single one of the school bus companies has, has plenty of work that's available. So there's no shortage of work. Now, drivers that may only want to drive in the morning and the afternoon and they're not available for field trips or extracurriculars, athletics, that's okay as well. Um, we welcome everybody that can come in and, and, and help us out. Well, we also want to mention, too, because people say, well, whose fault is it that there aren't enough drivers? So let's back up a little bit to COVID. All right, so COVID happens, schools pretty much shut down. It's all at home, in-home learning, right? So um, talk a little bit about what that process was like. And you already had contracts with the districts and, you know, these you had employees. So what happened then? Yeah, it was a very difficult time for all, just outside of, of, of the scare that we all had with the, uh, with the uh, pandemic itself. But um, listen, it, it took a lot of communication with superintendents during those few, first few months uh, their boards of education, to let them know one very important thing, and that is we stress
stress to them the importance of them continuing to pay the contract in full, even though wheels may not have been rolling every single day, uh, because we needed to be able to pay our staff. And um, if a school was remote on a Wednesday, but they went Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, on those Wednesdays, we needed to be able to pay mm -hmm. our drivers in full for everything that, um, that they would normally get had the wheels been rolling. Right. And um, the importance behind that was uh, continuity. We could not afford to have uh, drivers looking to perhaps get into another industry because uh, they were, you know, not getting five days a week worth of pay. So that was, that was a difficult time. And, um, uh, but, again, I, I think that's where the communication with uh, business managers and superintendents was extremely key. Um, those relationships that we've had for many, many years, uh, drawing on them and just telling the districts how important it was for us to, to get paid so we could pay the drivers. Well, yeah, and you can't have that on-again, off-again mentality, mentality because, like you said, it, there was so much uncertainty. Then a lot of schools went back to in-person learning. So if you laid off all of your drivers, you'd really be in a bad situation. So, But, you know, i got to say, too, from a lot of what I've seen, that also had an impact on retention because some of these drivers, frankly, you know, took the unemployment route because they made more money on un unemployment than they would have if they stayed on the payroll. I think when you put together um, the potential for an inconsistent schedule, uh, the concern about the, uh, the pandemic and, and all of us being out in the world, um, couple that with um, what I would say some pretty enhanced unemployment benefits that were available out there, uh, with probably not a lot of oversight in certain areas. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that contributed towards, um, you know, attendance being, let's just say attendance being off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'd love to go further on this, but I, I'll keep it straight for now. Um, yep. Again, the, the place you need to go, if you know somebody or maybe you know somebody who's interested, maybe someone who's at home right now and looking to make some extra income and, and have a good time driving kids to and from school, uh, we encourage you to go to drivectkids.org. That's drivectkids.org. You can also reach out to um, the Connecticut School Transportation Association. But again, it's really important that people understand that um, this is a real issue and has been for quite a while. It's interesting I had a reporter reach out to me because obviously I do public relations and she said, you know what, I want to do a story on the first day of school and ride the school bus um, with the kids. And I said to her, you know, that's probably not the story you should be focusing on because we don't even know if there's going to be enough school buses to drive kids to school on the first day of school. I mean, that should be the story. Uh, that is indeed the main story. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, all of us in this business right now, these, these weeks leading up to it, uh, we're communicating with our drivers, crossing our fingers that everybody that uh, was driving with us when school uh, closed up in, in June for the summer is, is ready to come back, wanting to come back. And um, hopefully over the summertime they've spoken with some friends, family, anybody that they know that's interested in getting into this business. Right. And so where you're at now, um, how big of a problem is it statewide, and are there certain pockets in Connecticut that are worse than others? I would say um, all of us all have locations where, where we're probably holding our own with just barely enough drivers to, to cover uh, routes. But we have, you know, many of our locations, you're, you're short maybe one driver all the way up to as many as, as four or five drivers. Um, I guess it, it depends on the location in the state. It could be 
It could be demographics. It could just be luck where you have certain pockets where you, you have um, some extra drivers that you can, um, uh, you know, help, have you help out in other neighboring towns. Um, but listen, by and large, we are all struggling. There's not one location. Let's just say every location for every bus company in the state of Connecticut um, will hire and accept any applicant coming through the door. Uh, we, we, all need, uh, we all need many, many, many drivers. As long as you pass all the tests and background checks, right? Exactly right. Um, <laughs> regardless of how, I will tell you this, um, and, and I know all of my peers at the other bus companies have done this, though we are all struggling for... Uh, numbers uh, to, you know, employment numbers. The vetting process is the same for every applicant that walks through the door, mm -hmm. and you do not compromise anything that you see in an employment history, a background check, an application, an interview, um, just because you need uh, somebody behind the wheel. You right. can never do that. We've all said no numerous times to mm -hmm. many applicants over the last, you know, handful of years or, or, or you know, any year, you name it. Um, the vetting process doesn't doesn't change. It all stays the same. No, but and the other thing is, though, don't be intimidated by the process either, right? Because it's an easy process, right. not at all. Don't be just because the the timing of it may take um, you know uh, uh, multiple weeks to get through. Um, talk with your talk with your bus company. Uh, there are ways for us to uh, help these applicants earn some income during that time, get them to start to be acclimated and accustomed to this business. As I said earlier in the interview, we, we handhold everyone through the process of, of training. We'll get you through. There's, there's nothing to be intimidated about. Well, John Hipsher, um, I also want to leave with one final thought or ask you one final question. So recently it was announced that um, masks will be required on school buses. Does that have any impact on anything as the school year gears up? Uh, I think that you're going to have, um, candidly, many drivers who have um, been vaccinated, um, who were hoping that the school year would start out where they did not have to wear their mask. Um, but I think as this, as you know, the last few weeks, um, as, as we've seen with the variant and, um, uh, you know, concerns again with the school districts, I, I think that you're going to find that everybody, by and large, is expecting to wear a mask. Uh, students will be, all of our drivers will be, whether you're vaccinated or not. Um, for the foreseeable future, that's that's the world we're living in. So who's the enforcer when the kids get on the bus? Is it the driver? Well, so when the students get on the um, get on the bus, if they do not have a mask, uh, typically the districts have been fantastic with all of us in that they supply us with extra masks uh, to hand to students as they board. Um, because it's just going to happen. A uh, uh, mask is going to break at a bus stop. It's going to fall on the ground. They're going to forget it in the house. Uh, so all of the drivers on all of our bus runs will have extra masks to, to hand out to any of the students as they board. But who's the enforcer when they're sitting there and taking it off? Ah, so good question. Drivers, number one, it's a very, very difficult task for them. Um, they need to have their eyes on the road. Uh, we have high expectations, and we, we, we need these kids to wear the mask while they're riding. But if any of them are um, not wearing their masks and we're able to see a concern, uh, the districts all ask us to communicate that to them so they can work with those individual students. Right. Because can you imagine if I, I just can see that, you know, that mirror that they have up in front of the drivers looking back to see who's got masks on. I mean, that's just there's enough responsibility to be a driver. What a huge responsibility that is uh, to then add that to the list of things that they have to be concerned about, I think, is uh, 
just shouldn't be one of the expectations, and it sounds like it's not. So that's well, there sure is, and and the um, the seats on school buses today um, are so much higher than what they used to be. It is hard for the driver to see um, the face of every student in the seat, um, especially uh, for the youngsters that are mm -hmm. you know that are not as tall and are, and are lower down in the seat. So. Um, of course, you're going to get kids that are going to, uh, you know, point it out to us that so and so isn't wearing their mask. Um, we can only do the best that we can, but again, it's um, drivers need to be focused on the road and uh, focused on the safety of everything that's going on around them versus um, trying to enforce the, the mask uh, rule on the bus at all times. Exactly. It's very so, difficult. Exactly. So the bottom line is, parents, tell your kids to wear your masks and uh, take responsibility for that because. Like I said, it's, it's not everybody else's uh, responsibility to, to do that. Well, John Hipshire, uh, I really hope that this works out. I hope that you uh, get additional applicants and that this becomes an old news story, if you will, down the road because um, we all want to get our kids to school. We all want to get back to some sense of normal. So I just want to tell folks again, if you know anyone that's interested, check out drivectkids.org. So, John, thank you for your time. I know, especially this time of year and all year round, you're a very busy man, and I appreciate your perspective on this issue. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate it. Our pleasure. And, of course, thanks to you for tuning in this morning to WTIC News Talk 1080. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.